From Capital Analytics, I'm Abby Malone, and this is Invest Insights. Every week, we bring you perspectives, business advice, and more from the leading executives, entrepreneurs, and investors who are building, diversifying, and leading the way in the country's fastest-growing metro markets. Real leaders, real insights, right now. Today, I'm joined by some insightful leaders for a discussion on Mexican-U.S. business relations. Today, I have with me Jonathan Chai, the Consul General of Mexico in Miami, Leonel Azuela, the founder and CEO of Quaxar, Jorge Karstensen, the president of the Inter-American Chapter of the U.S.-Mexican Chamber of Commerce and managing partner of Sophos Advisors, and Laura Maidan, co-founder and partner at Ascendo Venture Capital. First of all, thank you everyone for being here today. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having Thank us. Thank you, Abby. Thanks for having us. Well, let's begin by going around the table to get your views on what makes the U.S.-Mexican business relationship especially significant from the standpoint of your own careers and how the relationship has shaped you. Consul General, can I start with you? Sure, definitely. Well, um, I'm a career diplomat and I've been posting in the U.S. Uh, pretty much all my career. I've uh, been a diplomat for more than 20 years. And certainly everything related to business or, or trade has been one of the main topics. I think we should start that uh, the relationship between Mexico and the U.S. and also with Canada, we should see it as, a, a, as the importance as a region, as a region to be more competitive around the world and how our markets are really, uh, the supply chains that we have between the, the countries pretty much are becoming one market. Uh, we have seen during this year how much it has developed. Even we were talking about NAFTA more than 30 years ago, how, how much has changed. And just lately with the USMCA, with new chapters, at, at least 10 new chapters in the in this agreement, how, how, how it has been modernized. It says a lot about the relationship that we have and how important has been trade and business between our countries. At the end of it, we are the first or second partner, depends on which moment with the U.S., that says uh, how much we are uh, actually not only trading, but also producing together. Uh, between us, just per minute, we, we exchange one million or even more per minute between the two countries. Wow. So definitely the relationship with between the countries based on trade and business is one of the main, main uh, uh, targets and one of the main uh, pillars of our relationship. Laura, can I toss the ball to you? Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm going to talk more from the business perspective. Uh, I was lucky to be able to be educated uh, with a father that came to the U.S. for his um, PhD. So it was very close to me, the relationship between Mexico and, you, and, and the U.S. from that point of view. Um, I came to the U.S. to study my master's degrees. And from them, I, there I've always worked with uh, multinationals. So Mexico has always been one of the main countries, obviously, for business within the companies that, that I've worked uh, with. So starting from Bank of America that were doing private equity investments, Mexico was a, a, a big market and partner. Uh, then I transitioned and that's what brought me to Miami to a Coca-Cola bottler. And as we all know, Mexicans consume a lot of Coke. So it was definitely the largest market. Uh, and then in Visa, uh, the same. So I've been lucky that through my work, I've been very close to Mexico. And now in my current work, I've seen more and more interaction among entrepreneurs in, in both markets. 
And Jorge, can you tell us about your experiences? Of course. Uh, thank you, Avi. In, uh, in my uh, career, I have uh, de developed relationships in many different countries. However, uh, both when I was in banking and now uh, in our firm, Sophos Advisors, we have uh, Mexico as our strongest uh, client base. Uh, and I, I attribute that uh, primarily to the personal relationships that we have having grown up and having very strong roots uh, in Mexico. Um, and I'm still, I'm actually talking to you uh, from Mexico as we speak, uh, because I come back and forth uh, linking uh, our business relationships on both sides. Um, I have had the opportunity to live in multiple countries and, uh, and travel to many regions of the world. Uh, but however, I, I, uh, I'm still very, very passionate about uh, bridging the gap between businesses in, in Florida and in Mexico. Uh, and that's also part of the reasons why I've been involved with the U.S.-Mexico Chamber of Commerce for over 16 years. And Leo, how about yourself? Well, uh, I was born in the south of Mexico, in Veracruz. However, I was my mom was from the border. So we were always kind of related to the U.S., Mexican, you know, uh, like traveling, uh, go to see family. I have a lot of family in Texas. I graduated. I had a personal accident. I had to move to San Antonio, my senior year. So the U.S. was always, always there. Uh, I always wanted to come here to study some kind of academic studies. I ended up uh, studying my master's degrees. And suddenly something that I never expected, I founded a company. They, I got U.S. investors and they asked me to move to Miami 22 years ago. So basically that shaped up my whole life. Uh, being here in Miami, the focus obviously was Latin America, you know, with U.S. investors. So you have to play both ways. And uh, I'm in the software business, CRM data related business. And it was interesting at the beginning. Uh, we started outsourcing a lot to India and other countries in Latin America. And then I realized I had a lot of talent and things in our backyard just applied away so suddenly we changed the whole strategy and all this development and talent has been uh, brought from mexico so i've been literally breaching from miami the us to mexico with clients suppliers providers uh our financiers so it's a very entangled relationship for me mm -hmm. well there's so much interesting background here today i'm really looking forward to our discussion council general i'd like to throw the ball back to you Miami is known for its creative flair and more recently a sustained effort to innovate across the economy. How do Mexico's business aspirations fit into these opportunities that are now emerging in Miami? Well, sure. Well, just an example, just by having this panelist today, just a perfect example, how that fits into Mexico. Uh, we've seen more companies coming from Mexico and actually the, as the persons who are now, they are explaining they're already part of this market in a way Miami has opened up these, these doors or these opportunities by innovation, by the type of, of, of companies that are coming here. Just to save a few numbers, we have more than 700 companies from Mexican based also in Miami. So uh, I think the possibility that Miami gives in all these markets, but also in finance, for instance, in real estate, we can see more companies from Mexico, more people uh, coming from Mexico, establishing here and establishing their businesses. So I think also the the the, the support that the, the the state and also the uh, local authorities are giving in fiscal, for instance, and also 
the way to, 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 to come to this area. It's also giving the opportunity for Mexican companies to, to start building up also their, um, their market. And that says a lot also about the huge opportunities that we have between South Florida in general and also uh, Mexico. And those are two markets that are complementary to. There are many companies that the way and the way they are working, they complement each other. So I think those the, the ways that, that the Miami it's in a way um, welcoming all these new companies from Mexico, people coming from Mexico. Jorge, you see both the needs of the individual businesses as well as the overarching trends across your members. What do you see as the preeminent challenge to U.S.-Mexico business relations today? And how is the chamber involved in addressing those challenges? Thank you for the question, Abby. Uh, recently, there have been some changes in uh, in Mexico's uh, uh, approach to to uh, interacting with the world with regards to attracting business, uh, particularly with uh, with how Banco Mex, the role that Banco Mex, uh, which is the, the Mexican Export Development Bank, uh, used to uh, uh, be able to facilitate business relations. Uh, with companies that wanted to do business with Mexico. Um, and while the U.S.-Mexico Chamber of Commerce has been around for 100 years, um, in this uh, today, it is uh, our role has become more relevant so that we can help those uh, entrepreneurs, both of uh, small businesses and also large companies who are looking to uh, establish, uh, whether it's a, you know, a small factory or, or a business alliance, Bridging that gap and trying to find direct contacts uh, that uh, for their needs, for their business needs, um, we have seen also that coming from Mexico, where you know uh, companies that want to export or find the business partners, uh, the chamber we have chapters throughout the United States. Uh, I represent the Inter-American chapter, which is based in Florida, but we work in tandem with all the other chapters, and what we do. To help bridge that gap is when inquiries come uh, through our different channels, we uh, work through our network to connect those uh, entrepreneurs, business owners, or even large companies uh, directly to the counterparties that they're looking for. Um, our main challenge is, of course, to try to increase our membership so that we can, we can have a bigger database and, and therefore have more quality uh, connections in between them. Leo, more and more Mexican businesses are launching operations in Miami and South Florida. From your experience, for those Mexican companies looking to gain a foothold, what should they be doing and what mistakes should they avoid? Oh, yes, uh, it's amazing the amount of uh, paisanos that are coming here. And, and I see a pattern, a pattern that they want to emulate or do something similar to what they're doing in Mexico. And uh, I have I have some suggestions, and and I think I've experienced it through the businesses I built here. Uh, the first one is try to de-risk as much as possible the business model. Uh, don't try to simulate and do the same thing. Have uh, what I call curiosity conversations with the real, you know, real clients where you can really understand what's the the pain for the U.S. Like it's not the same type of food that the Mexicans consume with the same patterns and you're going to open the same restaurant here. So really have those curiosity conversations. And it's not five, it's 10, 20. And get to know about the competition because you might assume that your product has not existed here or does not sold here or the way you do it in Mexico is not here. 
it is here and you will have competition. So you have to check the competition and have those curiosity conversations. The other one, it's uh, at the end, you're a new guy. You need, you're a new person, sorry. Uh, you need mentors. You need to hire local advisors, local experts. Don't try to do it all yourself. Something that you, it's a shock. I said it's a price tag shock effect of the cost of people. So you try to cut corners and do it yourself or do it through your Mexican accountant or things like, things like that. At the end, you will waste time and resources. And that's another like most. Uh, the next one is uh, be open to pivot. At the end, it's not going to be the business you're going to bring from Mexico, that the one that is going to be successful. It's going to be a variation and it can be a considerate variation. Really, <clears throat> the tastes and the market is so different that you are have to be willing to adapt. And the last one is this is a huge market. We love it. The opportunity is huge. However, you have to come here with more budget and more money. It's in Mexico, you can bootstrap and start many things from zero. You, we have contacts, we have access to many markets. Things are more cheap. Here, really, you have to over budget. The competition is so tough that you need to have the cash burn to, to, to have enough space to take off your company. Speaking of finances, Laura, from the viewpoint of an investor and advisor, what must Miami do or change to reach its potential as an innovation hub? So I, I'd like to give a little bit of context. So I've been um, working with entrepreneurs uh, since 2013 when I launched uh, Endeavor in Miami. And many Mexicans are familiar with Endeavor because Endeavor Mexico is one of the first affiliates in the country. So uh, through that work, I can tell you for context that Miami back then really uh, there was a question whether entrepreneurs could come here and scale. And basically the question was whether there would be access to capital and access to talent. Um, you know, fast forward 2022, we have an, an amazing inflow of entrepreneurs and investors. And it's really, it really feels and, you know, uh, like the really the, the, the next phase for, for Miami's entrepreneurial hub. What will keep it as an amazing uh, innovation hub is the continuous uh, intent to um, to bank on its diversity and also inclusion. So, you know, many of us in Miami, we're very fortunate that we have, you know, uh, a very diverse uh, set of leaders, uh, gender-wise and also uh, ethnic-wise. So Miami is distinctive because of that. And with the constant inflow of immigrants, that will always be the case. Uh, having said that, right, um, the access to everyone is not the same uh, in terms of capital and also in terms of education. I think there are two major themes that need to be you know, always uh, worked with intent. And in my case, I focus on the investment side. And um, really, it's not only about diversity and how diversity uh, fosters innovation. It is also about inclusion, right? So you can have diversity and not inclusion. And uh, we are fortunate that Miami is a major, a minority-majority-led community. So, you know, the minority with 
we feel like the majority, uh, and that there are many, many aspects of it that uh, are we have amazing talent that we need to continue investing in on both sides, on the entrepreneurial side and also on the talent side. I mean, I think with the work that someone like Lionel does, the, the talent is a big piece. I had a conversation uh, about this uh, constantly about where do entrepreneurs will find talent and you know cost of living etc so definitely the the city as a growing city has some uh, you know opportunities and challenges but i think the 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 good news is that we're all there are many of us really trying uh to make it happen and to help companies scale here and I think Miami has a very unique um, element to it that it's very international, it's very diverse. Uh, the state of Florida changes as we look around it. And so I'd like to broaden the discussion a little bit to look at uh, Florida-U.S. relations. And Jonathan, when you look at the relationship between Mexico and Florida um, and how it's evolved throughout the years, what strikes you as some of the most creative or innovative practices that have benefited both parties? And what lessons can Mexico and the wider U.S. learn from South Florida's business climate? Sure. Well, I think one of the, the 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 main focuses that we have to see the the, the uh, opportunity that we that we have between Mexico and Florida. Um, since I got here, we put together a working group um, for the ports of Mexico and the ports of of, of Florida. And this group uh, it has private and public sector. We think uh, that uh, by targeting new markets and by trying to, to bring new products, but also very important to find all those products who are complementary, we can increase the trade between the two, the two entities. I think uh, there's still a lot to explore between Mexico and Florida. And as I was mentioning, even we are the second uh, trade partner, we still, there's some areas that we can even do better. Uh, by finding these commonalities, I think we have uh, great opportunities to, to, to even increase those, those exchanges. So I think this is what the uh, um, entrepreneurs are looking for. And uh, we hope that we can uh, even further those exchanges uh, by finding those specific uh, commonalities between the two, the two markets and the two entities. And Jorge, can you add to that, given your experience with the chamber? Of course. In the 16 years that I have lived in South Florida, I can tell you that I've seen many uh, Mexican uh, investors and entrepreneurs come to Florida. And I've also seen uh, Florida export some, some great ideas and talent uh, towards Mexico and, of course, the rest of Latin America. Um, I think the most important factor compared to, to other, uh, other regions is the ability to, to use Florida as a, a bridge from Mexico and towards Latin America. I most, more recently, I've uh, been engaging with several uh, financial services companies who are coming to South Florida uh, to get established, not just because they want to access part of the Florida market, but also the rest of, of Latin America. And, and uh, what, uh, what the rest of the, of the regions could also learn from our experience is to be to be open and and uh, and friendly to to learn about what the other uh, other chambers or uh, regional chambers from other countries etc uh, uh, have been able to do uh, be open to uh, to those conversations um, and don't hesitate to um, to ask to ask questions to to be approachable because what what most people who come to South Florida uh, for business will soon realize is what, how friendly the business environment is and how much business owners are willing to, to lend a hand uh, to each other. Um, 
In addition, uh, I think what we have a particular uh, uh, difference going on here is, is, is how close the U.S.-Mexico Chamber of Commerce and the U.S. Consulate work together to help businesses on both sides. We have, we have a very symbiotic relationship um, that I think if, if, if other regions could uh, emulate that would have, uh, would have the similar success that we're seeing in our area. Leo, how does having a foothold in two countries, Mexico and the U.S., allow you to consider new creative approaches to problems and solicit a wider range of innovative ideas from your employees? Well, at the end, it's it's uh, you have the best of both worlds. That's what I, I said. No, at the end, we have a foothold here in in the United States in a very special region that is South Florida, because I think we're very different to the rest of Florida. Uh, that is very welcoming. Uh, you know, to to the Latinx community, to Latinx entrepreneurs, uh, uh, the diversity factor uh, it's 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 very high. So so uh, we we even talk in Spanish. Some things times we refer to peso instead of dollars, and uh, and then we have Mexico, as I told you, uh, very close by. You know, where uh, you can have uh, employees, you can have uh, uh, peers flying two hours away three hours and they're here they can meet the peers in 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 florida your team so you you can really build an onshoring like close shoring team that that can have big impact and i completely agree with jorge like uh here is a launch pad to go to latin america first and then once you let's say conquer latin america you try to go to the rest of the americas so it's a great great i believe launch pad and, and let me tell you something that we have seen very beneficial across the 20 years. It's the institutional involvement. Uh, our first big client, we got it through the Mexican-American Chamber of Commerce. I remember the first uh, three years we were here. And, and it was really getting involved with the chamber. It, uh, it gave us all this perspective and connections to be able to have credibility on you know, this Mexican-owned company in the States uh, creating software. And... Uh, the other ones, all definitely the Mexican consulate, like bringing everybody together as a support group, but also uh, presenting us uh, with the U.S. Uh, counterparts, not building trust. At the end, you do business with people you have trust and uh, and you have connections and and definitely that build all that connections. And here is Laura, the other one that it was more a private sector organization, but it was like the Mexican counterpart was the one with experience when she started uh, Endeavor Miami. And the connections with it, with the uh, South Florida entrepreneurs that Laura's organization was promoting and the Mexican entrepreneurs, board of advisors, et cetera, that connectivity, I think, was a very creative way to spark what is right now uh, the Miami tech ecosystem. And, and I'm proud to say that the Mexicans are being a big part of it. So, so I think it's all that, all that like, bringing us together, getting connections and building trust, I think that has been the best and most creative way to make this happen. Yeah, and Laura, can you tell us a little bit more about building that ecosystem and the importance of network? Well, I mean, um, everything around the entrepreneurial ecosystem requires trust. Uh, Miami um, is very cultural uh, complex. And, um, and fortunately, it's a very uh, warm, uh, warm and close ecosystem. So Miami right now is at a point where people that move here can really meet most of the key players, many of the key players, and everybody's willing to help entrepreneurs scale. 
In my experience, entrepreneurs uh, scale faster when they are um, they have the willingness to to be helped through either advice or access to you know resources, network, capital. And I think that Miami is uniquely positioned from the Mexican perspective from both sides. Uh, both Jorge and Lionel uh, mentioned the you know the 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 launchpad from Mexican companies to the rest of Latin America. Uh, I also see it uh, the other way around. I see many entrepreneurs from the Indian region or Central America that want to enter the Mexican market. At the end of the day, Mexico and Brazil are the largest markets for for products for new companies, and uh, and, and you know. Uh, Really, we're very close to to Mexico. Jonathan mentioned the waters and you know what it means for trade, but also in terms of business relationship, investors. Um, I I find interesting that uh, as the entrepreneurial community has evolved, Mexico, for example, might have more investors, you know, ready to invest in different stages of Mexican companies versus Miami. Miami is just starting, right? So. I think that having all that expertise and that connectivity among entrepreneurs is really key. Absolutely. And I want to thank you all for such an inspiring dialogue today. Now, to round out our discussion, I'd like to pose a question to each and every one of you. What are some unique ways that you're fostering creative thinking across your individual organization? Laura, would you like to start? Sure. Um, I think that I'm fortunate uh, to be surrounded by entrepreneurs because I'm always challenged uh, to see new ideas. So it, it you know, it, it is just my day to day. In terms of creativity, um, you know, as I'm um, really getting ready to launch the the venture fund, it's it's a new chapter for me. So uh, I need to be creative on finding the opportunity that Miami presents not only as a hub for early stage companies in general, but also uh, its key asset, which is diversity. And as I said, being uh, intent, have an intent to really bring entrepreneurs from um, different perspectives uh, to, 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 to the circle, as we, as we say. So it's, it's all about access and connectivity. Leo? Well, it- it's interesting because at the end we have some companies in Mexico and some in Miami. The Miami are more like on the startup, you know, software scene, and some in Mexico are more traditional family businesses. So I, I'm able to make the comparison, and and I would lay, I like to say like two two areas, you know, that I I think uh, can contribute to the success of these new entrepreneurs and and can help you adapt to the new U.S. Re- relationship. Something uh, U.S. Uh, situation. Something I, I always insist is that you have to be on your stru- structurally created uh, to promote creativity. For example, in Mexico, uh, I was used to very hierarchical organizations where, you know, you have the owner, the family owner, and they, they call out the shots. Really, that doesn't open, isn't, doesn't promote creativity. You're not structured in a way that you can adapt and be very competitive in the US. So in the US, basically our companies are extremely horizontal. Everybody speaks, idea comes from every person, independent of race, color, age, uh, even degree, you know? In Mexico, we're used to El Señor Ingeniero, uh, Mr. Doctor. Uh, Here, you don't have titles. And the other one, uh, and now it happened with COVID because uh, the software and CRM business was really growing during COVID. But we were developing software in Mexico where this, the health situation was very bad. 
And really what create, made us be creative and open is to have this kind of positive mindset where every problem is a blessing. Sometimes we tend as Mexicans to see problems like a nightmare or, or as a problem. So uh, I think with that mindset, you can do a lot and you can see every challenge and problem as a way to create a new product or a new solution. And that's what happened. Suddenly, we were like an island in the southwest of Mexico that has been slapped by economic uh, recession and, and a lot of structural changes because of the oil industry. And, and our company was very happy and we were booming and everybody was, you know, with another mindset and, and, uh, versus the whole other environment. No. So that will be my two recommendations. Jorge. Yes. Well, I, I'm going to speak a little bit both, uh, from the perspective of my company and also of the, of the chamber for my company. We're a very flat organization and, uh, and our, our creativity has been based upon uh, expanding our regional horizons and thinking outside the box as to where can we go uh, get new clients outside of from the traditional referral sources that we get. Um, we are we're a financial services business uh, and that is very personal, and all our new clients come directly from uh, referrals of uh, clients' trusted advisors. And uh, lately, what we have done is gone not just uh, beyond the traditional uh, referral sources, but also to other regions. And, and this is what we're also trying to implement with the chamber. We have, uh, uh, we're developing initiatives right now that will more closely tie uh, business owners, both from Florida and from different regions in Mexico. This, it's, it's a challenge. Mexico is a very big country um, with very diverse business opportunities and, and, uh, and industries, uh, each one of them with their own characteristics, challenges, and also force opportunities. Um, so we are we're developing trade missions, for example, directly to go into different regions of Mexico uh, with uh, various states uh, in conjunction also with the U.S. Uh, uh, with the consulate of Mexico in, in Florida. Um, we are also doing other trade missions that are completely out of the box. Uh, earlier this year, uh, together with the California chapter of the U.S.-Mexico Chamber of Commerce, we did a trade mission to uh, the country of Uzbekistan and in the Middle East to really help uh, U.S. and Mexican companies find new markets for their products and also new ideas for investing. So really thinking outside the box as to what um, uh, what can I do different uh, to approach uh, new business opportunities, new contacts. Um, and, and we had some very tangible results coming out of those uh, uh, recent missions that we uh, are trying to emulate and replicate and multiply with the upcoming uh, uh, missions and initiatives that we're putting into place. And Jonathan? Well, I think at the consulate, we've been trying to see any opportunity from different angles. And uh, I strongly believe that uh, we've been able to be more creative through our own community. And through them, like the panelists that we're having now, we are doing a whole network from our own communities. For instance, we're putting together a women entrepreneurship program. And through the talent of like people who are participating today, they are helping us to develop this, this, this group. Also in social media, we've been more active. For instance, we trying not to be the traditional consular office so in a way that we want to communicate to our own community in different uh, topics or matters farther from their interest. So we become more um, close to all of them. But again, I think it's being through the uh, motions of having our own community, 
and a way demanding that, but also as a way of working it together and be more creative in the sense of be more abroad, be more open to anyone. So that has pushing us to be different and finding new ways of communicate and putting uh, programs for the benefits of the community. But again, everything is based by the same demand of our community. Well, I cannot thank everyone enough. This was such a wonderful discussion on the ties between Florida and Mexico from really some wonderful leaders in this virtual room. Thank you very, very much. You've been listening to Invest Insights. Be sure to follow, rate, and review this podcast to hear more. I'm Abby Malone. Thank you for tuning in.